Just relax and enjoy another hour of commercial free music on 103.5 Don FM. Stay tuned. Welcome back to season seven of Flop Stars, the podcast where we explore albums that didn't go high up the charts but were close to our hearts. The weekend mm-hmm. has officially become the highest streaming person per month on Spotify with a hundred million streams a month. I think Whoa. it's that many. Don't fact check me on that. 110, I think. And, and that is how he lands on this week's episode of Flop Stars. <laughs> Oh, no, it is 100 million. You're right, it's 100, not 110. I lied. Nick's already put himself into the conversation, but I am with my co-host, Nick Kelly, and I am Sam Murphy. Hello, Nick. How are you? Good. I have zero respect for the conventions of podcasting and the conventions of introducing a person to a show. Um, no, if you, you know, don't. you know. Just, We're both here. just butted straight in. Boom. But that's I'm okay. Here. Because this is a loud, brash album anyway, so you're just getting in the mood for it's very an true. exploration of... Of quite a um, quite a big album, quite a meaty album. I feel like there's lots to unpack when it comes to this one. <laughs> but so should much. we get into first the context of why it flopped? Because I think this is quite confusing given how many accolades The Weeknd has had and how he's consistently been one of the highest streaming, if not the highest streamed artist of the year. Obviously, Blinding yep. Lights, I think, is the most streamed song of all time on Spotify. Yeah. So... Dawn FM comes after After Hours. After Hours is the record that has Blinding Lights and also Save Your Tears on it, two just like monumentally huge albums. He has this record ready to go and he just thinks, what the fuck? I'm just going to drop it. I'm just yep. going to drop it in full. Take My Breath had come out a couple of months prior as a single and done absolutely nothing. He wasn't really promoing the album apart from just teasing it here and there, but I think he just believed in it as a full product so much that he thought, let's just get it out there and I'll see if my popularity from After Hours carries me for this one. It didn't. (laughs) It did not. It was almost a, not a post-pandemic album, but it was a pandemic-induced and then as things sort of started to open up again, this is when that album came out. I mean, literally the day that he announced it was New Year's Day 2022 and he was going to put it out seven days after that. And he said, everything feels chaotic again. Music can heal and that feels more important than another album rollout. Let's just drop the whole thing and enjoy it with the people. XO. And that literally shows you in one tweet that he had no interest in sticking with the conventions of putting out a massive album again because he's done that. This was a time to unleash this music onto people when they were least expecting it and a time to kind of meet the moment. And this happened early on in the pandemic. We've talked a lot about Chromatica and Future Nostalgia and how those album rollouts had to be adjusted very, very much in the moment and on the spot so that they met the moment of what people needed at that time. And this kind of did it in a very different way of doing that as well. Um, But but it felt, it, it felt, it did feel rushed and it did feel chaotic. And yes, everything was chaotic, but it didn't mean that it needed to be chaotic at the time. Yeah, I think that it felt right for the time that it came out in. This is a post-apocalyptic concept album, basically, about it feels throughout the album like the world is ending. And obviously with COVID taking off again over that holiday period, it felt like all these emotions that we kind of dealt with throughout the course of 2021 were all coming to the surface again. And I guess that's the weekend being like that was kind of his trigger to be like, well, this album makes sense right now. And I like that he did that. I love that he just 
followed his heart when it comes to this one. And it, and it's not a rushed album. It's not like he put this together in a couple of days and like got it out. He'd obviously been sitting on it for a minute and deciphering how long he should wait in between albums, what he should go with as singles and everything. And that at the end of the day, he was like, don't care, just get it out there. Yeah, it feels incredibly well thought out when you actually listen to the record. And I think it's probably, it's very rare these days on Flopstars that we actually do a concept album as one of our records. But I think this is just a phenomenally fun concept album. And I think my little radio background makes it. albums. Do you, but did you hate this concept? <laughs> no, no, I didn't hate this one. But yeah. generally I hate concept albums. Same. Well, I mean, we're recording this the day um, of the 50th anniversary of one of the great concept albums of all time, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. We're not going to get into Pink Floyd chat, but I heard, well, I I heard just someone read that banging he's on. anti Semitic. Who? The lead guy, Roger. Oh, the main Waters. guy, Roger Taylor or, or Roger Waters. Yeah. 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 I don't I don't think he's a particularly nice person. Um, and that. But happy birthday to that record. <laughs> <laughs> you old fuck. Happy <laughs> birthday, everyone. Um, anyway, I don't know what I was doing uh, bringing the Pink Floyd thing in, but it just reminded me of concept albums. But like, I was listening to yeah. them talking on the radio about that album yesterday. I was like, fucking, who, who gives a shit? Concept albums are such a boring idea. But then when it, I really like the, th- the, the theme around this and I really like kind of how it worked. The last great concept album I remember was Tovlo's Queen of the Clouds. That's the last was great that concept, a concept album there ever album? was. Yes. Was was it Witness by Katy Perry meant to be a concept album of sorts? Yep. And so was Ava Max's Heaven and Hell. Because you had Heaven. That is not a concept. Yeah. What is a concept album then? Ava Max's Heaven and Hell. Because the first six songs were Heaven. The last six songs were Hell. And the middle song, Torn, was Purgatory. She spoke about it. The last six songs being Hell. <laughs> anyway, so this this whole concept album was done around uh, the idea of being listening to like a retro pop radio station, almost like you're listening to something on Grand Theft Auto, which I often did. Yeah, um, that's exactly the vibe I get from it. Did you come yeah. up with that? Yes, that was my that was my thinking. It wasn't well his done. thinking. Um, and I love those radio stations on, on Grand Theft Auto. There's some fucking belters on there. Um, the album that One of Tricks Point never did, which was called Magic One of Tricks Point Never as in trying yeah. to come up with a radio station. And that had a radio station feel to it as well. The Weeknd was on and EP'd that album under his normal, his, his name. Um, so this kind of was like, he'd sort of played in this radio station concept before and then brought that forward to this album. And he said, picture the album wow. being like the listener is dead and they're stuck in this purgatory state, Ava Max, which I always imagined would be like stuck in, being stuck in traffic, waiting to reach the light at the end of the tunnel. And while you're stuck in traffic, they've got a radio station playing in the car with a radio host guiding you to the light and helping you transition to the other side. So it could feel celebratory. It could feel bleak, however you want to make it feel, but that's what the dawn is for me. And that I think I sums up the feeling of that, that album. Concept. It's such a love good Concept. It's well thought out. It's not particularly dense. It's not particularly difficult to understand. It just makes sense. And I really, really like when concept albums are not a particularly difficult concept to grasp. They're just a theme that everything kind of comes under. And I really do feel with so much of this album, I see that almost post-apocalyptic, robotic, Tron kind of feel to everything. Everything yeah. looks blue and neon to me in this album. And that's exactly what I get from that kind of that kind of concept that you're almost waiting for the end, but in a really positive way at points. 
Well, you know that this is meant to be the middle album of a trilogy with mm. After Hours being the kind of chaotic finish, this being Purgatory, and then the next one being Afterlife, which I think is actually teased by Jim Carrey at some point on this record yep. as the next one being Afterlife, which I kind of love as a as a trio. And obviously I don't think this is this sticks to the concept completely because you've got songs like Best Friend and um, Is There Someone that feel a little more personal and not uniquely tied to being in Purgatory. But I like that that's the loose theme that ties it all together. I think it's got this really eerie feeling of it going back to suiting the time. It just felt... It felt so right and it still feels so right to me. I love the, the mix of everything that goes into this. Let's talk about the old man face that's used on the cover and that he used oh. the the prosthetics for so much of this. Um, he really loves the prosthetic, doesn't he? Loves it, and I kind of <laughs> love I kind of love it for him. Um, I don't even know what the what what it was about and why he uses it, but it, it looks like forty years older, and it kind of it makes you think about the end, and it makes you think about people who look like they've seen shit and look like they've been through stuff. And when you're almost at the end of your life, I imagine that if you've been through shit, you're sitting at this kind of point of like trying to celebrate moments that you enjoyed in your life and trying to commiserate other moments. And they all sit in this weird kind of mishmash, which this album at points feels like. Well, I actually read it differently because this album's a club record. And that looks a lot like me when I stumble out of the club at 5am dehydrated. (laughs) So I think that's what it was more about. I too feel like I'm in purgatory at 5am <laughs> With Ava Max and Torn playing in the back of the cab After my sixth Beyonce renaissance night <laughs> Are you still going to those? I feel like you never stop going to I might dabble you, you absolutely will I already know I would 100% go to one listening to this album from start to finish Let's talk yeah. about, actually about the club influence that goes into this because the weekend has always his music's always been very heavily tied to the dance world um Mm. since i think can't feel your face almost like max martin and then um daft punk being on the starboy record and then he eventually hooked up with 10 tricks point never who is like a kind of experimental underground producer who wasn't necessarily working with big pop names but the yep. weekend brings him on board i think for the first time on after hours but i could be wrong it could have been on their dear melancholy one um yep. and they form this really great partnership where he just makes the weekend weirder and i think yeah. that's what the weekend needs because the weekend is a freaking good pop star he's yep. excellent and the way that he works with max martin is so impressive but it's kind of not enough to make you, like, outstanding. And I think by bringing um, 10 Tricks Point Never on board, it makes it so interesting and it creates this really luscious, weird backdrop combined with the pop world that Calvin Harris and Swedish House Mafia and Oscar Holter and Max Martin bring into it. It's just a genius combination. And I, I just think that... The work on this is so cool. Like, take a song like Gasoline, for example. Like, it's 5am my time again. Like, <laughs> the chorus of that is pure pop magic. 
But then the way he sings in the verses in that real lower register that doesn't even sound like him is so yeah. jarring and off-putting that the song just lingers in your brain longer than it would have if it was just normal verses. It's almost got a thriller kind of feel to it at points. And totally. That was obviously yeah. such a post-apocalyptic kind of album and, and song as well. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like the club influence is really interesting because I've always found club music and particularly that kind of more experimental club music that One of Tricks Point never does so brilliantly. I've always found that kind of music some of the most emotional that you can get. And I think it's a really beautiful yeah. way of being able to process negative emotions and also kind of, you know, celebrate bigger kind of concepts in your life. Um, and I, th- I think the way that this album does that is really, really special. And yeah, I think getting people like Calvin Harris and Swedish House Mafia around you as well, who I think have, have sat on the sillier side of dance music as well, but yeah. also can be serious when they need to be. It kind of feels like the, the pretty much the ultimate dream team of club producers to be, to be hanging around to make this work. Yeah, and the, it just... Their work together, just not to bang on about it, but it's just so magic, particularly in the first few songs, the way that they all piggyback off each other, like gasoline into How Do I Make You Love Me, into Take My Breath, which, can I say, Take My Breath just gets an absolute boost from being in the depths of this album because as a single, Mm. I thought it was unremarkable. But once I heard How Do I Make You Love Me go into it, I was like, Oh my goodness! This when that is beat incredible. picks up, when that it's beat just picks so up, good. yes, and then straight into sacrifice, which might be the biggest smash on the record. Yeah, and then we're kind of brought back down to earth by a tale by Quincy, which is like Quincy Jones has one of the um the the fastest mouths in the business and tends to say <laughs> the wrong thing quite often, but he he gives this very vulnerable um peace on the record and and you come down from this euphoria of sacrifice and suddenly you're like back at the end of your life kind of considering everything that you've done it's just the sequencing of this record is absolutely incredible yeah i mean that's a really important part of it and i think that that's a really important part of doing a concept album as well i think you know song placement on any album is really important but when you're trying to build a whole world that song placement is absolutely crucial to tell the story properly and to give you those yeah. kind of moments of of up and down and brightness and darkness. And I think he does that just so perfectly and you get those bits of lightness exactly when you do need them. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's phenomenally sequenced. Should we play a song game? Flop stars. All right, this is exciting. This is the first moment I've ever prepped the song game, and I'm a little bit nervous that I'm not going to do it justice and do what I need to do. Um, but I think let's start with. <laughs> so it's called D- the Dawn versus the Sun. So I'm going to pit songs from Dawn FM against songs that involve sun or sunshine and the the sun being out. You know. Okay. Cool. Does that make sense? Because yeah, of course gotcha. the Dawn. The dawn is the, the emergence of the what sun. And the, these are songs about the sun being right out, you know. Um, all right. Well, why don't we start on what, what you were just talking about? Because I can tell that you um, you have some adoration for a, a tale by Quincy. Um, and I want to know whether you think that or Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves is a better song. A tale by Quincy by The Weeknd versus Katrina <laughs> and the Waves. A tale by Quincy is sunshine. literally spoken word. Yes, I know. But I don't know your... <laughs> I don't know what you think about walking on sunshine. I don't know whether you're one of those idiots that finds it finds it. I hate lame. walking on sunshine. Yes. Okay, great. So what do you reckon's a better song? <laughs> the Tale by Quincy isn't even a song. They are not 
they're going against each other. <laughs> <laughs> We're walking on sunshine then. Yes. I'll go. And Good. I'll go back to prepping this next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you think is better? Um, gasoline or Walking on the Sun by Smash Mouth? <laughs> I've never heard Walking on the Sun yes, by Smash Yes, you Mouth. have. Hang on, I'll play I a little bit not. for you. Yeah, I'll play a little bit for you. It's the one that starts like this. I have no idea what this is. Why does everybody always know all these Smash Mouth songs? I only know one. I have no idea what this is. (laughs) Absolutely gasoline. The worst song game ever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fuck. Good luck. It's going well so far. Next one. Shut the fuck up. Next one is Sacrifice (laughs) versus Steal My Sunshine by Len. Tell me you know that song. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, okay. I actually do like Steal My Sunshine. There you go. Finally a worthwhile (laughs) matchup. I'll justify it with a proper answer. Um, Steal My Sunshine, obviously a nostalgic classic, but Sacrifice is like one of the high points of this album, I think. Yeah. It's such a perfect pop song, and I cannot believe it was not a smash everywhere. If Blinding yeah. Lights would have pissed off for two seconds and let it had its moment, it could have been something, but it never went anywhere because of it. So I'm absolutely going with Sacrifice. Well, that was the... And that was the problem, wasn't it? The Blinding Lights just wouldn't fuck off for a little while. And it was such such a usurping kind of hit that nothing else had room to kind of fit even that far on from the album coming out. Um, it was very difficult to it, get some traction. It's crazy. Like... Save Your Tears and Blinding Lights, I'm pretty sure, was still, like, it running in the top 20 of the charts when this album came out. Yeah. And so there was just no room for any of these songs to break through, no matter how hard they tried. I wonder if he'd waited until the end of the year whether things would have been a lot different. I think so. But then, you know, it, I, it would have completely ruined what this album was all meant to be in the first place. That's true. And like the whole point of this almost being a chaotic kind of rollout would have been ruined. Um, but great. I've just realised I'm meant to be giving my opinions, but I, I had to happen to agree with all of yours with the exception of... Um, <laughs> no, I agree with all of yours. Uh, right, final um, matchup in the song game, um, which is, you know, going to go back into Sam's hands next week. Um, take My Breath, which we've discussed yep. that we quite like, versus Ricky Lee's Sunshine. <laughs> The amount of times you bring this freaking song back onto the podcast, and most of our listeners do not live in Australia. They will well, they not can know appreciate what a good pop is. song. They can appreciate a good pop song. You though. should That's Google our it. It is quite good. Yeah. Um, CD release came with an instrumental version that you could sing along to. I actually did have the CD release of that song as well. It's it's a real bop. Um, Classic. But it's <laughs> it's got to be the weekends. Take my breath. <laughs> What's your opinion? You go. Well, I also think the Take My Breath is 
an all-time pop song, so it's going to take my breath away again as well. Have you searched Sun into Spotify? Is that how this has happened? No, because then think? we would have got Sunroof. Oh, yeah, I didn't do that one because I knew what you'd say to that one, but I didn't know what you'd say to Walking on the Sun by Smash Mouth. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. Sunflower, Post Malone, oh, Cover Me in would... Sunshine by sense. Pink, Here Comes the Sun by The Beatles, but you had to go Walking on the Sun by Smash Mouth. What would you have said to Cover Me in Sunshine by Pink featuring Willow, her favourite child, versus Walking on the Sun by Smash Mouth? Those two versus each other. Yeah. <laughs> I would reluctantly say cover me in sunshine. Show me in good times. Right, let's move on. The Weekend fans who have joined this podcast just for a one-off because you like Dawn <laughs> FM. I regret to inform you that the podcast often goes this way. <laughs> I apologize. We always apologize. But we will we return to talking about the album in question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about what the album actually did on the charts, unless you've got yep. more of the song game to go. Absolutely not. Good. I think we're all glad about that. Um, the charts. It was number one in the UK and Australia, but it was number two in the US, which is yeah. wild. He was beaten to the post by Gunner. Which is nuts. Just nuts considering how big, like, this album should have been so big. When you consider the numbers that something like Midnight's was doing, or even SOS by Scissor at the moment, there's no way The Weeknd's not competing in that field. Absolutely. So I just don't know what happened. Like, I understand that when you release an album, when your previous album is still kind of got the steam, that you often dim its light a little bit, but not by this much. No. It doesn't make it, sense. It, it it does feel quite phenomenal to me, and I really think it can only be put down to the lack of pre-save opportunity and the lack of, of pre-order. And, like, seven days in 2023 both yeah. feels normal and also feels like a really, really short lead time. Because then you see someone like Ed Sheeran, who on the day we're recording this has just announced his album that comes out in just over two months and has yeah. put the first pre saves up and pre orders. Yeah. However, ta- I mean, Taylor Midnight's was that as well. She announced that at least two or three months before it came out, whereas this had seven days to kind of get ready to be, to be put out. But Scissor, SOS, that was only a week's lead time. That's a really, really good point. Like, I'm just so interested to see what happens. Now, I mean, the fans have kind of, not the fans, but the general public has kind of made their own The Weeknd era at the moment, made up of Die For You from Starboy and Creepin' off Metro Boomin's album. So he's very much back in the chart. But I'm so interested to see what happens with this next album because I don't know if I regard The Weeknd as the biggest artist in the world just because of what happened with this album. Like, this was his last album. Yeah. That's a, there's actually a very interesting conversation to be had, I think, about that kind of choose-your-own-adventure era situation because it is a, it, that is yeah. really what is happening. We've got records from three different aspects of The weekend's life, or at least at the, at the moment in the top five, we've got two different aspects of The weekend's career, one from 2016 and then one that's a cover of a Mario Winans song from 25 yeah. years ago. 
And that's what's making up the weekend's chart success at the moment when there's still some records in this album that can probably make, make some impact. Um, or you would be I expecting want... by this point that he'd be moving on towards the, the next album in the trilogy. I want to go to just your average fan down at the mall mm. and be like, did you know The Weeknd has an album called Dawn FM? I yep. feel like most people would say no. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I remember, to be honest, when it came out, I think it was because it was the it was the summertime in Australia and it was obviously the, the festive season. It took a couple yeah. of weeks. It took until someone told me, hey, can and this is me as a pop mega fan that listens to everything, hey, yeah. have you listened to Dawn FM yet? This is two weeks in and I'm like, no, I literally have not had time to listen to Dawn FM yet. And it, did, it took me like a proper moment it of sitting down two weeks after it was released. It is a very weird time of the year. Yeah. yeah it is a very really weird time of the year. Um. I feel like often, though, when reviews start coming in, it can sometimes draw up a little bit of, a little bit of like um, hype around the album, and the critics were the most favourable about this weekend record than any yeah. other. So, eighty-eight yeah. on Metacritic, the Guardian gave it five stars, said it was a stunning, a stunning display of absolute pop prowess. Pitchfork gave it an eight, which is their mo- their highest score of his entire career i think maybe mm. apart from the mixtapes um and rolling stones gave it four stars and said he hits a new peak so the quality was there and i have to say yep. for me this is one of my favorite albums we've ever done on flop yeah. stars i yep. think it's absolutely brilliant from start to finish just one of the rare confusing ones that we've had where I really cannot pinpoint why this album flopped other than lack of promotion time and the time of year it dropped. I Everything else I have no idea. Down to. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really difficult to, to pinpoint what went wrong with it because there's nothing objectively wrong. The, the, the concept was clear. The, the songs met the moment. The songs, yeah. m- maybe that is, but maybe that is what, is it because I'm thinking a lot about the scissor record now that you talk about it yeah maybe it's that the scissor record feels potentially more timeless and and maybe there is a something in this record that doesn't feel as timeless and maybe I that I don't know if I agree with that because there's still because you're right they're, they're still like kind of in their I don't own think time this capsule album sounds right? like anything else that was happening at the time. Yeah. Sure it was on the early end of that like dance music coming back, but you wouldn't really say that this was like this is like the house music that everybody else is doing. No. no. Maybe it's got maybe it's R&B tinged at points. Like Yeah. It, it's still got tinges of R&B to it. It's not it's not like a full on pop as a clock house record. Um Yeah. What I just the fuck I have I have no idea. No idea. But I also think that maybe The Weeknd likes the idea that he's got this album now in his discography. Because I feel like mm. when you think about all the greats, like Bowie, Michael Jackson, um, like who else? Just everybody has a kind of flop album in a way. Yep. Like a difficult one that was a bit artier and one for the fans. And Dawn FM is that album for The Weeknd. And it yeah. feels right as that album. Like, something when I listen to this doesn't say to me, smash. Like, it's a little bit weirder. It's a little bit odd. It's very cinematic. It just makes 
sense to me without me being able to explain it why it wasn't the biggest album in the world. I don't see. I don't. I don't know if I agree on that because I think it's such a clear concept, and I think the well, records. Bloody hell! The hits are such straight up pop songs that I don't. I don't think What's it was particularly hit? difficult What's to access. Hit? Take my breath. You think "Take My Breath" is a hit? It came on the back end of that kind of '80s aerobics kind of sound that a few artists were doing, and obviously led by Dua. And I think it kind of gave it a part of the pun breath of fresh air. To me, that's the that's the big single from this that I think was super kind of. I think and I it's think too on weird. A, no, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think it's enough of a sort of almost almost reminds me of um, Maniac by Michael Sim- Symbiotic, or whatever his name was. Like, it, 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 it is... Remember, she's a maniac, maniac on the floor. Oh, yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind from of that, that world, but I think it's synthwavier. Like, it's a little bit more alternative. But not alternative enough to not be accessible. I still think it's a pretty accessible song. I agree it's accessible. I just think when you put it up to Blinding Lights, next to Blinding Lights, which was also 80s-tinged, it makes sense why it wasn't a smash. <laughs> nah, because... <laughs> well, to be fair, it was the biggest US single from the album as well. It did peak at number six. But that's um, only on because 100. it was the first one, and that's what it did in the first week. After that, it was, yep. it was curtains for Take My Breath. Yeah, but... Here's what still I bigger, think Still the, the biggest is. single in the US. <laughs> I love that you've claimed Take My Breath now, and yeah. now it's yours to fight for. You can have it. You can have I it. Try not, I try not to preempt. you know what I think the biggest hit is? Yep. A Tale by Quincy. It's <laughs> disgusting. Nothing says, nothing says hit like a two and a half spoken word. In bigger, hit, bigger hit than Katrina and the Waves. <laughs> TikTok's done Stranger Things. No, I think the hit is less than zero. And to me, it still blows my mind that that, song has not been given the full yep. single treatment. Yeah. It is one of the best song maybe the best weekend song ever and yep. one of the best songs that Max Martin has ever worked on. Yeah. in his career. It is like well, absolutely stunning. We should talk about that for a second because to me this actually does feel like a modern Max opus. Like I think Yeah. Ma- Max Max has been a little I don't want to say hit and miss. Hit and miss isn't the word, but I don't know if the He's a bit icon, off his game recently. The icon material hasn't been there for the last few years. Yet yeah. you look at this record, and I really think it is a golden moment of Max kind of showing exactly the kind of producer that he is, where he brings ideas, concepts, worlds to life. He really can do that yeah. and bring it all together. And he's got the executive producing and, comf- and, and sort of leadership and confidence to make yeah. those decisions to make a record, you know, blow up and I think he he displays so much of that on this album and the way that he helped bring it together um and obviously Oscar Holter who's part of the the Wolf Cousins stable as well like it it does feel to me like a proper moment from from Max but also weird enough and I think One of Tricks Point Never is a big part of this weird enough to be a kind of alternative dance album as well well, I feel like Max has been coasting for a bit. When you think about, like, Never Gonna Not Dance Again um, yeah. or If Jesus Was a Rock Star, they're all, like, pretty stock standard pop hits. But Less Than Zero and the, the and I think he's on... 
Is he on Sacrifice on this too? Are the few others that he's on. Um, yes, he is. He's feel on. Feel like he's extending himself. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. It it sounds like he's pushing himself, and I always love it when he pushes himself because you're right. Never gonna not dance again if Jesus was a rock star, even to be loved by Lizzo. Straightforward. Yeah, just straight, straight up, straight, straight down up, the line. straight out the yeah. gate. He's done it twenty years ago. But then he did, so he did, how do, you, how do I make you love me? Take my breath, sacrifice, don't break my heart, less than zero, Phantom Regret on Dawn FM. Wow. Okay. So he smashed yeah. it. Smashed he smashed it. He's, but the, yeah. The feeling I get listening to the, the songs you just mentioned that he's done not by the weekend recently, I'm mm. like, mm, they don't really like make me super excited, even though I like them. Yeah. Whereas I remember hearing less than zero for the first time and just thinking, oh my God, like this is just pure magic. Like the first time you heard like Can't Feel My Face or Blinding Lights and you were like, this is the kind of song only Max could do yeah. because the melody is just so syrupy and perfect. Like I just, I cannot say enough good things about less than zero. The way those like synths arpeggiate into the chorus and the the way the guitars come back in at the end for that kind of stadium yeah. sing-along moment it is a stroke of brilliance from from the two of them and whoever else is involved in it well let's Thank just hope that we get service. a die for, let's just sir let's just hope that we get a die for you moment with it when people realize in 2027 yeah well I just, so Starboy will I can only yell at tiktok for so long about this song try to make people stand up and notice and they won't yeah, and I think it's almost it's almost a too obvious hit, that one, that because Die for You came, Die for You had its little resurgence, but it never felt like a it never felt like the hit on that album. No, so it, it felt did. very much like an album track, but uh, that was part of why it worked, and that's part of why things work in twenty twenty three. They're not always the obvious choices. Um, yeah, but look, that's the beautiful thing about a flop stars album is that these are albums that build cult adoration. And so if you know, you know, and you get to keep this That's song as, your, as yours. But I don't want to be if you know, you know, for this song, you know. I want to be at like Coachella with 75,000 people and everybody yeah. singing along to the chorus because it feels like that song. It was his set, yep. the second last song in his set list on his tour. So he oh, knows it's a hit. Yeah. Just needs to Bloody bring it to the someone festival set. Stand up and take control, for goodness sake. Uh, exactly. Someone have some ownership around here. Yeah. Just bloody hell. Um, is there a song that you don't think works? Because yes. the whole thing is so tight, cohesively. Is there one that you're like, mm, that could go? Well, I mean, it, it's... The weirdness, it needed the weirdness, but I still don't think I Heard You're Married needs to be on there. And I don't find Lil Wayne particularly redeeming on it. Yeah. And I do find I him fe- redeeming. I feel exactly the same way. I find him redeeming on dance music. Like, I still think David refused the man who did the the singing on it, but I can only imagine by David Guetta is still one of the most beautiful house songs ever. And maybe not What ever, is it? You know. I, I can only imagine by David Guetta. And Lil Wayne is on that, doing a really... Are you just cool... not saying the other artist that's on it? Yeah, Chris Brown's on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just 
<laughs> just completely omitted him I didn't say from the it. song. Yeah, I just got rid of him. <laughs> but I think I think Wayne can do like dance verses, and I just don't think this is a particularly interesting one. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally mean... agree with you. It's the only song on the album that feels like it limps along. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's not because it's more understated than the rest. Because here we go again with Tyler. I think is one of the like essential absolutely. Moments of the album. And Tyler makes but, and Tyler yeah. makes sense. Tyler is the weirdness that this album needed. Um, yeah, you know, and adi- or at least an additional voice of weirdness on it. And of course, all the Jim Carrey stuff is kind of just you know it wouldn't be the same album without it. But um, yeah, I reckon you could omit. I heard you're married. And I love how like these interludes are kind of become so cinematic as well. Like the starry eyes, every angel is terrifying. Bit. Like, that makes me feel like it's a bit yeah. in a movie that would make you tear up. Yeah. Like, the way that the synths build with that density and his voice just, like, goes crazy and kind of heavenly. It's, oh, it's just so well constructed. It's so perfectly brought together. And those interludes speaking are so of well, for it. Speaking of well constructed, do you want to play my game? Flop stars. Oh, absolutely. Because construction was... There were defects in the construction of the song game, so I'd like to play a well-rounded... The, the song game had concrete cancer. Strong. <laughs> I'd like to hear some good scaffolding, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this game is do these artists like The weekend, Not The oh, weekend, the person. The weekend, as in the stretch that goes from about Friday, 5pm, to probably Sunday. I'm going to say... Nine or ten. That's in in the Western world. In some countries, like in um, the UAE, the weekend is Friday, is like Thursday night to Sunday to Saturday night, and then they go back to work on Sunday. That's true. It's true. Friend of mine's working over in Dubai now. Works Sunday to Thursday, and they have their. God, you sound like bloody Josh from down the road with two kids, like making conversation with me as I duck over over to throw my recycling in another bin. One of my mates lives in Dubai now. <laughs> you know, right, you know what he does. Thank you. He works Sunday to in. Thursday. It's like their Monday is our Sunday. Oh, no, their Sunday is our Monday. That's what I'd say. Anyway, Uru, yeah. Jules is waiting for me to go in for Bye. tea. <laughs> Uru. Uru's great, isn't it? All right, how does this game work? Okay, so you've got to tell me if these artists have ever mentioned The weekend in their songs. Oh, that's really difficult. So, have they ever had a lyric that mentions the weekend? The first artist is Carly Rae Jepsen. Ah, oh, come on, everybody! It's the weekend. It sounds like she would say that um, in the, what's the Rufus Wainwright one? Um, uh, the loneliest time. Loneliest time. That sounds like something she would say. <laughs> I can reveal there is not a refrain in that that goes, "Come on, everybody! It's time for the weekend." But is there a refrain in Carly Rae? I reckon Carly Rae Jepsen's done some singing about the weekend, probably in her sillier hours. Yeah, I think there's Carly weekend references. There is a song on the new album called No Thinking Over the Weekend. Great. Yep, I knew that. That sounds like she likes it based off that. Yeah. Okay, the next one is Charlie XCX. Thanks. Loves a party. Yeah, but is it performed... specifically constrained to the weekend? Yeah, it's a good point. She performed at the Sydney World Pride opening um, 
last weekend, which was just iconic. That whole, we, we should have mentioned that in the pop in. That was a whole, a whole icon convention, that situation. Um, <laughs> oh, except the song, the set list was ridiculous. Um, yeah. I anyway, back that. on track. The weekend. Um, 1999. I just want to get back to. Air guitar on the roof. I don't know. I've decided that 1999 is the one song in his discography she mentions the weekend on. (laughs) Um, I I reckon no. I reckon there is no weekend references. She's smarter than that. It's a girls' night out. Let's have a <gasps> girl's night out tonight. tonight. No boys, Going no boys. out on the weekend. weekend. Fuck. Yes, so that's a yes. Next one is Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. No. Too busy singing about the Lord. <laughs> no weekend references. That is correct. But on yes. Baby, Ludacris Baby does say weekend. To... Of course. Yeah. Um, when I was 13, I had my first love. There was nobody that competed with everything. She had me going crazy. Oh, I was starstruck. She woke me up daily. Don't need no Starbucks. When I see her on the weekend at school on the playground. Yeah, cool. Got it. That's it. But Justin Bieber, no. Miley Cyrus. Right. We can't stop. We can't stop. Sweaty bodies everywhere. They don't care. So much fun now. But if she can't stop, that's not specifically constrained to the weekend. Yeah, but I reckon the stopping. She's never stopping. Her stopping is inhibited by um, beginning on the weekend and getting towards stopping. So but she never stops because they can't. Yeah, but I think what the song implies is that the stopping f- would generally occur of a Sunday evening or a Monday <laughs> morning, and in yet in her uniquely unique circumstances, she is unable to stop as Monday comes around. Um, therefore implying an existence of a weekend. So I'm going to go with, she mentions it, and I think it might be in We Can't Stop, but if it's not, I think she's definitely mentioned it at some point. It is not in We Can't Stop, okay. but it is by yeah. a, in a Hannah Montana song, Let's Dance. Yes! It's so what about wh- Lana Del Rey? Has Lana Del Rey ever mentioned oh, The Weeknd? Oh, God, probably fucking whinging about it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Such There's never bitch. any parking under Ocean Boulevard on the weekend. <laughs> too many, too many men from naval ships here on weekends. <laughs> um, Lana and the weekend. Uh, I'm just gonna. I don't know. I'm just gonna say yes. It feels like something she would have mentioned at some point. But no. Oh. No, couldn't find any mention of the weekend by Lana. No existence of the weekend and Lana. If you know differently, I let us know. Our wrong, podcast, so podcast on Insta. Yeah. Our Lord, has Lord ever mentioned the weekend? Let's go down to the tennis court on the weekend. Yeah. Um, oh, the weekend. She has to have. Yeah, I'm going to say Lord's mentioned it. Can you tell me which song she does? Wouldn't be Green Light. Solar Power? No, it's on Melodrama. But what will we do when we're sober? King and queen of the weekend in a pill. Ah! I was trying to find the lyric. Nah. I knew she would. I knew she, she would does. at some point. She does. Loves the weekend. Old Lordy Lord. Uh, next, next one is Michael Gray. Now, 
I distinctly recall at some point in his career that he personally cannot wait for the weekend to begin. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Michael Gray fucking loves the weekend. <laughs> He's obsessed with the weekend. <laughs> the great weekend fans. <laughs> Stupid game. Seminal weekend fan, Michael Gray. <laughs> What about The weekend? Is The weekend a fan of The weekend? Oh, that's a really good question. The weekend Feels very self-referential. Hmm. Nah, I reckon, I don't think he's, I don't think he's ever mentioned The weekend in a song. I think it just feels a bit too stupid to do. Well, Starboy actually had him freaking loving The weekend because on Reminder and Rockin', he was a big fan of the weekend. Oh. Said better. it twice. Do better. So maybe even more. Chat GBT just couldn't come up with any <laughs> more for me. Is that what you used? Yeah, but he kept being like, it's, yes, he mentions it in Starboy. I'm like, and so I went back, I got a bit crabby at Chat GBT, and I was like, I've just been through all the lyrics now. Yeah. And he doesn't mention weekend in Starboy. So ChatGPT was wrong. ChatGPT did apologise and then gave me Starboy again. So see, they're not as smart. I'm. Is that what you did? You type I. You are wrong. Yeah, I literally said this is incorrect because I feel like it's important for it to know. You've upset the robots now. Constructive criticism. You've wronged the robots. You won't last in this in this world. You're not long for this world anymore. You've upset the robots. <laughs> I know you, you would have had a bloody the go at the, the Optus robot, one of the online I chats. I literally, I'm not kidding, three weeks ago, I did. I had a massive yeah, go at I the knew Optus it. robot. I knew it. Did you feel good? Yes, I felt very good? good afterwards. And then I called yeah. them and I also had a go at the person on the phone, which I never do. But to my credit, they were being very annoying. Asking me to fucking <laughs> prove my identity six times in a row and I've already done it. It's all sitting there in the chat history. Idiots. I'm not even joking. The Optus robot got a fucking spray from me the other week. <laughs> Josh from down the road's back at it. <laughs> I'm great fun at barbecues. <laughs> How the hell are you going to call your mate from Dubai if your phone's not working? <laughs> All right, best worst rating? This is really hard. I'll, so I'll hard. start with the worst because we've already discussed it. I heard you're married. Thank you. It's the worst for me. Thank you, me too. I, it, it also absolutely worse for me. You know what? The best is easy as well because it's less than zero for me. And yeah. I'm just looking at the streams. It has a f- 153 million streams. And the rest are hovering around like 60 or 70 million, the rest of the non-singles. How do you not look at that? Um, anyway. Yeah. So, well, I'll I mean, that just breath. proves... I, I would highly encourage you to do that. But that just proves... like that. It's obviously a fan favourite. Excuse me. As well as a, a weekend favourite. So, do better. Um, my least favourite is the same as yours. My favourite is Take My Breath, though. I think less, very close with Less Than okay. Zero, and I, I definitely see Less Than Zero for you. But I just think Take, yeah. take Your Breath is both... Take my breath, rather, is so. Like, I think we've we've already talked about it. Like, it, it's weird, but it's not weird. It's not too weird. I think it's still really accessible and fun, and it makes me feel like spinning around. So, 
I'm going to go take yeah, my breath. That's, you're that's the incorrect answer, unfortunately. It's not, this, so again, it's not an objective, it's not an objective points-based game, this one. No, this is when it comes to this, based when on it opinion. comes to less than zero, it is objective. It's all based on opinion, this this part of the You have the officially scored less than zero. You've done it for zero. seven seasons and you still don't understand how this part works. Do better. <laughs> Do better. Oh my do, god, you sound like a Twitter. It's one of the warrior. great insults, isn't it? Um, do better. Do oh, better. I've been on Twitter warpath this week. If, if you've seen it, so I've seen that. Um, you've been quite vocal. They um, take away um, TikTok from you for a second. And you're back on your keyboard. Out. A URL bad man once soon. more. <laughs> P-A-D-M-A-N with no empathy. Uh, all right. Hey, your... that's a clue for next week's episode. Oh, it's good. They've all got it. Think about it. Think about okay. it. Those who know know. Rating. Nine out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Nine out of ten. Okay. Good. All right. Um, see you next week. <laughs> very hard to very hard to go much better with it. I think. Yeah, where's the one missing for you? Um I don't know actually. I just struggle to give things ten out of ten. Yeah. It needs I agree. to feel like in my top three records of all time for me to give it a ten. And it's yeah. not. But it's not far off. Well, no, it's not that far off. It'd definitely be in my top fifty. Right. So of course, at the moment, your top three is Pink Floyd's "Dark Side of the Moon," <laughs> Red Foo's "Party you know, Rock Mansion," only the classics: Beach Boys' "Pet Sounds," Abbey Road Beatles' "Dark Side ah. of the Moon," Pink Floyd. Can't yeah, be argued um, with. Nobody's nah. ever made a better song. The crazy thing is, more. since the nineteen sixties, nobody's ever made anything better. Yep, I've always agreed with that. It's, I've, it's, I've always said that. The always. 1960s is where music peaked. No one's ever made anything better. It's got nothing to do with people who, just who gone were down discovering music then. in the 1960s, getting bored of music. It's got nothing to do with that. Since they started celebrating diversity on radio, things have gone to shit. Couldn't agree more. Four men yeah. in a band. That's all you need. It's all perfect. It, be. it That's was true a, music. It was the best formula. Yep. And they fucked Bring with it back. It. Bring it back. They fucked with it. My grandma would be absolutely livid to see what happens now with Sam Smith and the likes parading around. <laughs> I don't feel this way. I did not feel this way. Your Oliver Trees and your <laughs> exactly no, I don't feel like that at all. No, I actually really don't like those three records I mentioned to be honest <laughs> I couldn't give a shit um, can we go before I get myself in more trouble yeah, I'm going to talk on, it's making me I'm anxious. talking to radio in about three minutes uh, like and subscribe <laughs> you know what to do um, ratings genuinely help though if you could please rate the show that makes Spotify think it needs to go up the algorithm um, and if you could send it to a friend if they like this album um, and might disagree with our opinions and you want to make them angry then send it to them as well um, we'll be back next week all you URL bad men out there. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>